This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. A good Thursday morning to you on this, the 1st of September. Wow. Excited to be with you. Cosmologist Katie Mack. She's a pilot. She's an author. She's a, a TED talker. She's remarkable. The author of The End of Everything is going to join us to talk about this Artemis mission. NASA's mission to put astronauts back on the moon for the first time in 50 years. And uh, Katie, if you follow her on Instagram or on Twitter at Astro Katie, you know she's a great follow. Her, her ability to break down really high level stuff like the origins of the universe and what ultimately will kill us all. She can put that into terms that we can all understand. And I'm really excited to, to get her take on the significance of this NASA project. Thanks for those of you that typically join us live for being patient this morning and granting us an extra half hour. Technical producer, John Hicks was here patiently waiting as our family participated in our traditional family walk on the first day back to school and thank you because we had our uh, hedge pod fantasy football draft last night so i was up late i needed that extra sleep how did you do <laughs> i did okay well yeah i guess well, we'll find out uh, i got a b rating on yahoo sports i don't know what that means this is my first fantasy draft ever kirk cousins is my quarterback i got a B rating. So I'm not sure what that means, but Walk said I, I did surprisingly well. Andrew Walker, the host of uh, The Hedge. Yeah, yeah, you can subscribe to that anywhere you get your podcast. Check out thehedgepod.com. Would it make you feel any better if I told you that I don't know what Team Cousins plays for? <laughs> That's okay. Okay. I can throw a spiral, but I don't know anything about the NFL. Like, I know how the game works, yeah. but I don't know anything about the players. Same thing. Like, I watched the Dolphins only and then and then playoffs in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So I was kind of like, I did a couple mock drafts. I had to do my homework. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty fun. Looking forward to it. Not a boy. Yeah. Well, this is your, yeah, this is your first foray into fantasy football, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I think Wax was just surprised I didn't take, like, Tom Brady first pick or something. Right. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be my move. I recognize that guy's name. He, he might be the MVP. Where's Gronk? Uh, like, oh, he's yeah, retired. he's like 45, man. Not not the best first pick. Okay, I digress. Katie Mack in just a second. Then I'm going to tell you about this T-shirt that I'm wearing. If you're watching us on YouTube, yeah. John, you know, I'm sort of breaking a television rule here in wearing pure white on yeah. set under studio lighting. It's it's what you would call it's coming across very hot. Very hot. Uh, yeah, but uh, it doesn't matter because this is all about an initiative coming up on Sunday, September 11th called Be More Kind Day. And Real Talk is really proud to be supporting it. And we're going to tell you all about that after we talk to Katie a little bit later on in the show. We're going to get into what you told us you would do with a spare $13 billion. That's what the province of Alberta's surplus is looking like. Uh, It's what the government's expecting. And so now they're talking about how are they going to spend it? Or how are they going to reinvest it? Or are they going to pay down debt? Or are they going to refund uh, senior supports? Or are they maybe going to do something for ACE recipients, those that are living on uh, disability? And of course, I mean, meager income month to month. These are all uh, avenues that you shared with us by way of responses to my tweet of what you would do with the 13 billion. It's always, a, a, I don't know if it's fun, but it's always an interesting and enlightening exercise to participate in. So we'll get to some of what you had to say. And then because the show is off tomorrow, uh, we will not have live real talks on Friday nor Monday, Labor Day. We'll be back at it live Tuesday. Can't wait to hit the ground running for September for the fall. We've got a big fall plan for the show. 
Thursday, today, will be the last show of this week, and that means that we're going to wrap it up with an early edition of Trash Talk. And you may not be surprised to hear that there's a couple of submissions that have something to do with what went down in the city of Grand Prairie last weekend when a, uh, a hulking bully tracked down the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada and dropped some C-bombs and some F-bombs on her and, and, and raised his shoulders and backed her into the elevator. So we're going to get to what you had to say about that. Obviously a serious situation, but when we invite you to blow off steam about something that pisses you off, you take us up on the opportunity. So we're going to deliver that today. Uh, looking forward to that edition of Trash Talk later in the show. Before we get to Katie Mack, I want to let you know that th- this interview coming up is presented... Uh, by our sponsors, and that includes the Covenant Foundation Lottery. They want to remind you that their deadline is today for the bonus prize. Thursday, September 1st is the bonus prize deadline. If you want to win that Tesla Model S or hundred grand cash, that draw is coming up in a couple of weeks, September 15th. And then the grand prize, this beautiful $2.2 million dream home. John and I just sit here. We just keep watching the video, John, imagining what we would do in this palace if we won it. Too big for me. Yeah, I know. I'd rent out half of it. Can you imagine like having to wash <laughs> the floors and vacuum in that place? It's it comes with all these you gotta get a cleaning service, you gotta get a gardener. I think gotta... what you do is you let your buddies move into the basement, but then they have to clean it. You say you have you say your job's to keep it clean, but you can live in the basement rent free. It would be like Entourage 2.0. It is incredibly gorgeous. So this is two blocks from our home. We went by, me and my wife, and she just drooled over this. So. Stunning. Four bedrooms, five bathrooms, fifty four hundred square feet, furnished, ready to move in. Covenant Foundation Lottery.ca or one triple eight nine four four twenty seven seventy four. Our friends at Park Power want to remind you that they feel your pain they know that the cost of living is on the rise they know that a big part of that is utilities they have variable rates they have locked in rates they have different options and you can compare their rates on electricity natural gas and internet by visiting parkpower.ca today it takes like five minutes or less if you want to sign up take your business to them bundle all three services together it's going to cost you fewer administration fees and the promo code 2022-realtalk is going to knock 70 bucks off your first bill Hey, this might be one of your last weekends. There's the sense of urgency on this one. If, if you're the type of person that's looking for maybe a solution, uh, you don't want to idle your vehicle in front of your house for two minutes every single morning. Once the temperature starts to drop, why not get natural gas piped out to your garage? Put a thermostat and a natural gas heater in there. Keep it at like six degrees through the winter. It'll be perfect, right? That all starts with excavation and Eden Landscaping can do it. And they can do it before the snow flies. Go to landscapeedmonton.ca today to make contact and get a quote on what that project might look like for you. All right, so we were supposed to talk to our next guest. I'm a huge fan of hers. I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to spell that out and say it to her face. Uh, we were going to talk to her on Monday, and that's when Artemis was set to launch this new NASA project everybody's talking about. Katie's going to give us the details here. The first one unmanned, but there will be astronauts heading back to the moon for the first time since the Apollo missions. Katie Mack is a cosmologist, a pilot. Uh, She's a TED fellow. She's the author of The End of Everything, making her return to Real Talk. Katie, thanks again for rescheduling with us. Of course, this mission delayed on Monday. Engine issues. Do we know what was going on there now? Yeah, well, so uh, first of all, I'm going to have to gently correct you. It's not unmanned, it's uncrewed. The, uh, the NASA changed the terminology for that in the early 2000s. Thank you. Oh, like you mean to remove really the gender slow, angle but, uh, of it, do you mean? Yeah. Uncrewed. Yeah, I, I learned something in the yes, first nine uncrewed. minutes of the show. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's um, and and for for Artemis as a mission that's uh, a little bit uh, relevant because um, one of the goals of the Artemis mission in general is to get the first woman to the moon. So we're not sure how that's going to go yet in terms of who's going to be selected or or um, the process there. But that is one of the uh, one of the key things that people talk about um, in NASA about Artemis. But yeah, so the the problem with the engine. Uh, there, there was a coolant issue. So there's there are these four engines um, on the main core stage that were that are uh, meant to um, you know sort of provide the main thrust for the for the rocket. And one of them had a temperature issue, and it wasn't entirely clear whether that was just a bad probe or if the engine really wasn't cooling properly. And um, in the end, the uh, they decided to call off the the launch um, in order to fix that problem to state the obvious these are things like we've seen with challenger and other disasters where like just the tiniest little thing it's like a bolt can be loose or some some glue didn't dry the right way and you could have disastrous consequences so these missions and and the scheduled launch times are always up in the air a little bit right like we're looking at i think 2 17 p.m eastern on saturday they're hoping to to send this up this time uh but but you never really know yeah, it's uh, you know this is this is a test flight, right? So so this is an unproved test flight. The the idea is it's, it's the first time this rocket will have ever flown. Um, so there's lots of things that could go wrong, and and the point of it is to see how it works. You know, um, if this test flight flight goes well, then the next version will have people on it. So you really want to make sure that you know. Uh, that you have the best chance to get the best information. And that means you don't want something that's going to destroy the mission so quickly that you won't even get any good data, right? If it's going to fail, you want it to fail in a useful way. And uh, that means that you want to make sure you you really think everything is going to go perfectly, get it into the air. And then if if it does go well, then this mission is also important scientifically for its own purposes, right? So it's going to be, it's going to be going out to the moon. It's going to orbit the moon in a wide orbit, uh, and it's going to uh, take data while it's out there. Um, it's going to it's going to carry with it a bunch of CubeSats to uh, to do other observations. And then the capsule, after it circles around the moon, it's going to come back and uh, splash down. And that Orion capsule, the the crew capsule, uh, carries with it uh, a couple of mannequins that have sensors that are going to be testing things like radiation, testing the stresses that uh, that the astronauts would would be uh, subject to in the in the real mission, you know, the, in the crewed mission. Um, and so uh, it'll be there'll be tons of exciting data that come come back from this once it launches. I, I, I most people are going to hear this on the podcast, uh, so they need to know that you haven't stopped smiling the entire time you've been explaining this to us and my face is starting to hurt from smiling listening and watching you i'm also trying to yeah. figure out what mathematics are on the blackboard behind <laughs> you i don't know i can't tell if that's wallpaper or real i'm not smart enough to no, know the difference that's that's real science it's a bunch <laughs> of equations having to do with black holes from the early universe so they're not not relevant to this topic but... you're just something yeah. you were, just something you were working on on black holes before you checked <laughs> in with us hey well, you know, yeah, yeah, just, it's yeah. my office. This is where I, that's where I do most of my work. I love so, it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is an exciting mission. You know, uh, uh, it's very exciting to be uh, going back to the moon. You know, sending sending people. There have been a lot of robotic missions to the moon, and and not all of them have been NASA. A lot of other countries have been sending robots and rovers to the moon, and um, there's been a lot of uh, really interesting science coming from lunar observations, from satellites, and things. Uh, but there haven't been people there for a very long time, and so this. This program, uh, if it all goes well, will be sending people back to the moon, which is which is an exciting prospect. Now it'll still be some time. This these launch vehicles 
are not reusable. So you have uh -huh. to build the entire thing. It's this 32 story tall uh, rocket with a tiny capsule on the top. Um, it's got these booster rockets attached. Um, that it's not reusable. So that means that uh, what you have to build a new one each time. They're expensive. They take a long time. So the the first crewed mission, which will just be orbiting the moon and coming back, is going to be a couple years after this one. And then after that, will will be something where they can land. So it's it's a long term thing, but but we're you know we're getting going. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I'm frantically googling as we're talking, and I'm trying to figure out. You just told me it just blew my mind. You, it's a 32 story rocket. It's it's a very it's a very tall rocket. Yeah, and you, so I should uh, find some photos of people standing near it. Uh, it's it, it's massive. Well, I'm trying to figure out if I think that's taller than the tallest building in the city that we call home. So that's perspective. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable stuff. Katie, you just you you you, you alluded to something, and that's that. Um, the space race used to mean something different and it was like mm. there were there were national or international competition right it was it was kind of i guess mostly the americans and and the ussr and maybe china mm. right um but now it's like the landscape is like rockets are being tested all the time. A lot of them are owned privately or SpaceX. And you've got the Jeff Bezos thing. I can't remember. And Richard Branson mm -hmm. and, and, and NASA yeah. and it, it, very different to state the obvious than yeah. the last time Americans were trying to get up to the moon. Yeah. The landscape has changed a lot. There's, there's certainly a lot more, um, there's a lot more international cooperation with the, uh, the international space station. Um, the Artemis rocket also has, uh, has some components from, from ESA as well. So there, there's, uh, you know there is uh, quite a bit more uh, connection with with between countries. A lot of more sort of sharing uh, sharing data, doing joint missions and things like that. There have been a number of joint missions for uh, scientific purposes as well as as uh, human space flight. Um, and you know the private uh, industry, the private space uh, industry is is getting um, you know getting very active as well. And so um, one of the one of the big debates around Artemis is that. This uh, the launch system, the rockets that is called the Space Launch System, uh, is a project. It's a NASA project that's been uh, very delayed, very expensive. Uh, it's gone through uh, many years of of uh, small changes and, and sort of uh, problems. And uh, there's been a lot of debate about whether it's a, whether it's something that that should be used by NASA or if NASA should just be contracting with SpaceX, where uh, SpaceX is developing a um, I mean, they have they have the the Falcon Heavy. They're they're developing uh, the Starship uh, program uh, that could serve the same purpose if if it all works out. And and so there's there's a lot of debate around um, the sort of not quite politics of economics of of the the different yeah. approaches to to space flight or like the mandate. Like you know, mm. people. You've probably heard this all the time, and I apologize to come in here on a bit of a lowbrow angle. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, sort of the, the criticism of, of, of like, why do we need to go to the moon or why do mm -hmm. we need to explore space? And sometimes I think there's sure. people, people can come up with really like tangible, practical, scientific or, or evidence based arguments. And then a lot of times other it's it's more of like an esoteric perspective, which also I think works. But when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars, then. Yeah. I hate to say it, but taxpayers feel like they're stakeholders in the project. Where where do you land on whether or not public money and public agencies uh, like NASA or government funded agencies, Canadian space agencies should be involved in stuff? Well, you know, I, I one of the things I, I think is important to point out is that even if even if a, a rocket built by SpaceX were being used for this, 
uh, it would be, uh, they, they would be a NASA contractor, right? So, so the money would still be taxpayer money just going to a private organization instead of to, uh, you know, to, to NASA right. um, engineers. Um, either they're, the NASA uh, works, all of the government agencies work with private contractors in various ways to build pieces of the, of the thing. And, and in this case, the space launch system has, has been in, um, you know, characterized by a lot of people as a kind of jobs program in terms of like, it's, it's a way to keep aerospace jobs within the U.S. And so that's been uh, a big debate, but it, 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 you know, this is something that, that has economic benefits for, uh, for the people who are, or, um, you know, building the parts, the people who are working with, uh, with these, these programs. So it's not, it's not clear cut. It's not like you just kind of, um, you know, dump money into it and it disappears uh, into space. The money that's being spent for space programs is being spent on Earth, and, <laughs> uh, and people are people are doing real work on Earth. Uh, as for the, you know, whether it's worth it, whether it's the most economic approach, that's a whole other debate. And and you know, I I don't want to get too too deep into that because I don't yeah. know all the details there. Yeah. Um. But uh, the benefits of space travel. Uh, there, there are certainly clear scientific benefits to exploring space in a lot of different ways. Uh, the scientific benefits of human spaceflight versus robotic space exploration, um, there are some things that only humans can do, uh, or that can, humans can do much more efficiently. In terms of science, most of the sort of cost-benefit stuff would suggest just send a whole lot of robots and probes and, and don't send people. But I think that there are other benefits to sending people. One is that we we do uh, learn a lot about human biology through spaceflight. We, we there are uh, experiments that are being conducted on the International Space Station that are very important for biology, for material science, for uh, a number of different things. Uh, there are benefits to having people living in space, having people working in space, and having people go places. But it's also just a, a human thing. You know, humans have a, a, a urge to explore, and I yes. think that it's extremely inspire, inspiring to watch people walk on the moon. <laughs> you know, like that's one of the things. You know, so many people who got into science in the seventies and eighties, it was because they saw people walking on the moon. You know, I mean, those kinds of things. It do have um, those things do have benefits. Uh, as for the cost benefit analysis, it's hard to say, but I will say that there's studies have shown that. That investments into NASA investments, especially into uh, basic research, uh, blue sky research with no applications, those have some of the best return in, on investments of any kind of anything you can put money into in an economy. Hmm. I uh, this is kind of a random. Have Have you seen the uh, documentary Dave Not Coming Back? Have you seen it I not, by no, chance? No. I, I just watched it like a couple of days ago. And, and um, the, I guess I don't have to really put out a spoiler alert because the title of the film kind of explains you know that is sure. that, that is the spoiler okay. uh dave not coming back but it's about these divers uh mm. that that descend to like unimaginable depths i think it was like 270 feet or something wild mm. and 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 ultimately some of these divers pay for it with their lives and we look at people right. that like free climb half dome at yosemite or things like this and and you wonder uh you know why would you do these ice climbers the, these documentaries my hands 
sweat. My yeah. palms sweat when I watch them. You go, why would you do this? But it's the same thing, Katie, that you're talking about is like this this need to explore this and, and, and like what it does for us, not just the individuals doing it, but the society, the, the people on, pl- on the planet. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that Americans to see the American flag on the moon was a big deal. But but like yeah. even as a Canadian kid, just to see yeah. someone standing on the moon was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, 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 the flags thing. I, if, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I roll my roll my eyes a little bit on there. <laughs> I, I, I find the flags thing a little bit, uh, sure. a little bit silly, but, but, but yeah, I mean, seeing a human experience something, experiencing something through uh, the, you know, the experience of another person. Um, that is that is affecting in a way that uh, in a way that just just pictures and data are are not always uh, quite the same. So um, I, I it is yeah it is an important thing that, that humans want to explore. Yeah, there's a lot of great resources at NASA.gov and people can check them out. Um, NASA's done these videos, kind of answering I guess almost you know the who, what, when, where, why kind of idea. They say why we're going to the moon. And then they mm-hmm. talk about, you know, why the moon? You know, why not another right. destination sort of idea? But I like this. They say we're going back to the moon. Like you said, Katie, scientific discovery, economic benefits and inspiration for a new generation of explorers. But they name it the Art- Artemis generation, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool, because if you look at it, yeah. I mean, I guess I mentioned Challenger earlier. Everybody has their context of like when their timestamp was of of when this really sort of seared itself into their into their hearts, really, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, for the people that are really interested in it. You're, you're an expert in, in, I guess, sort of how we all got here and how it all got started and, and maybe ultimately how it will all end, too. Yeah. People can check out yeah. astrokady.com, your book, The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking. Is there something in particular about the moon uh, that could provide a, some value to how we understand our origins or our, our, our ultimate demise or some of the bigger promise that the universe might hold? Well, you know, the moon is the moon is a fascinating place for a number of reasons. Uh, it's really interesting for the history of the Earth in, in an interesting way because uh, the the current theories of how the moon formed is that a, a sort of Mars-sized planetary body slammed into the early Earth, knocked a big piece off of it, and that piece sort of it was molten and, and and coalesced into the moon. So the stuff the moon is made of is very very similar to the stuff the Earth is made of because it, apparently we're all kind of part of the same the same body in the early solar system. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff that can be learned about the history of, of the Earth by you know studying uh, studying the Moon. There is there's one thing that I that I find really awesome is is that um, uh, so I study kind of the early universe, um, the the era when the first galaxies formed um, way way back in the day. And, and one of the ways that we study those uh, those things is through radio astronomy, through uh, very uh, long wavelength radio astronomy. It allows us to look at the, the hydrogen gas from which the first galaxies formed. It's really, really cool. Um, but the problem is it's quite hard to do those studies from the Earth because there's a lot of radio frequency interference. And also because the, the ionosphere of the Earth actually makes it difficult at certain frequencies. So there have been a lot of proposals to put uh, radio telescope arrays on the far side of the moon where there's no interference and there's no ionosphere. And so if we actually are able to do that, then we'll be able to kind of watch the, the first galaxy formation uh, through these radio astronomy arrays by putting them on, on the moon. Um, or there's also been uh, suggestions for orbiters going around the moon and taking data when they're on the far side. And so uh, as, a, as a cosmologist, 
Um, there is some, some really tantalizing uh, real estate on the moon uh, for, for doing some scientific work. But I mean, those are kind of far futures things, but, but they could be really, really neat. And you, and you always kind of have to be looking far future, right? I mean, um, mm-hmm. for, I, f- I feel silly. I can't remember the name of the, like the, the new, what was the thing like a couple of months ago they went up there that now they say puts Hubble to shame, but there's like that whole other. The JWST, the James Webb Space Telescope. Right. And, and that's just like blowing people's minds. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, but I remember when like Hubble images were coming out and it was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I mean, Hubble's still cool. Like, I don't want to, you know, cool. don't want to dishubble. It's still up there. It's still doing awesome stuff. Um, JWST is it's uh, getting us different data um, and and much sharper images of certain things. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're learning new things about the the distant and early universe all the time, and it's it's a fascinating time to be working in this field. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I don't know you well enough to ask you this. Uh, based on your expertise, are you a religious person? Are you a spiritual person? <laughs> Uh, I'd rather not get into that. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a sort of complicated history with, with okay. all, fair, all of that. Fair, yeah. fair, fair. And I, and I don't know you well enough to add. That's actually a totally rude question. <laughs> but I, I, I just always like right. pe- people that have like, I think yeah. you, and, and when I was introducing you to our audience, I said, one of the things I've loved about you and, and seeing your talks and the other stuff you've done and reading your writing is that you can take some like really high level stuff and kind of make it accessible uh, to plebs like me. And, um, and so I'm always just curious and people's perspectives that have such a deeper understanding of what's going on, uh, you know, outside of planet Earth and the great beyond. It's, it's the stuff I love, like hiking trails when everybody else has fallen asleep at the end of the night, you're staring mm. up at the sky and just letting your mind yeah. run wild. You know what I mean? It's the yeah, best. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, there's, yeah, there, there's so much, uh, yeah, I mean, people people talk about the overview effect where astronauts when they go into space and they see the earth from from above and they get this feeling of like the connectedness of all people and and um and yeah. this this the feeling of how how fragile and and small we are in the vastness of space i mean i've never been to space maybe someday one one can hope but um but some of the the studying astronomy looking at those space images i i, I get that feeling too of that feeling of like you know just an understanding of how, how insignificant uh, we yeah. are in this, in this vast, amazing place. Yeah. I, I Certainly the, the Canadian I'm about to mention is not the only one to have done this, but Commander Chris Hadfield, um, I think that that was one of the reasons why his social media, I mean, he's a compelling guy, but his Instagram went to a million followers like fast because of the types of observations that you're talking about. Like he would send these yeah. images. If people remember, they can go back and look at them and he would say like, this is the Cote d'Ivoire or this is like, mm-hmm. whatever, this is Italy's boots or something. But then he would like have yeah. these really wonderful observations about it. Uh, you're a, yeah. you're a pilot, right? Is it, is yes. it on, is it on your list of, I mean, you've got several boxes ticked for someone that could qualify <laughs> to, to go to space. Is that on your list? Well, well, I've applied to the NASA astronaut program a couple of times. Cool. Um, I, I, I made the first cut once. Um, so there, you know, the, the chances are not zero. They're very, very small. Um, and as I get older, the chances are smaller, but, um, but now that I'm flying airplanes, I think that's, they do. Um, I think that they do appreciate pilots in, in, um, in the astronaut selection process, partially, I mean, it's not that flying a spaceship is anything like flying an airplane. That's not the thing. The, um, the reason that they appreciate pilots and and mountaineers and divers and things, they, they, they like to see people who are doing something uh, very technical, very complicated, involving lots of checklists where if you screw up, you die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they want people who can work under pressure and, um, and do something uh, that involves, you know, a lot of situational awareness 
Uh, and so I think that I, I'm as I work, you know, through, you know, work through pilot skills and and, and get more um, more experience as a pilot, I definitely see why uh, why people who do that are are valuable to the space program because it is it can be very intense and you do really have to uh, really have to be on top of things and and be comfortable with with you know, checklists and, and technical details and really, really being careful and, um, and aware. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Katie, we've already kept you way longer than we asked for. Uh, let me make this last question. It kind of brings it full circle. Um, okay. and, and, and I appreciate the, you putting that on my radar about the change in, in language or vernacular with the uncrewed mm -hmm. mission. And, and you'd mentioned that, that, in, uh, one of the mm -hmm. interesting details of the Artemis mission is that NASA's hoping, uh, to put a, a woman on the moon, uh, for the first time, yeah. um, as, yeah. as a woman working in STEM, um, uh, that's obviously gotta be huge, right? Is that, is that, is that sort of one of the, the bigger, significant items at least early in this mission for you well you know i think that um i think that it's 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 very i i, I like it because i think that um not not because um not because i particularly personally would you know feel very differently but there's historically there were a lot of women who were very qualified for the Apollo missions. There are a lot of women who were in training, who were advanced pilots, who were, you know, going through all of the same tests as the men um, in the Apollo era. And for essentially political and social reasons, uh, they were not selected. Um, and so I, I like that as the space programs in all around the world are evolving, more women, more people of color are, are being included. Um, and I and there's there's also new efforts to um, to include to to open access to space in a lot of different ways. To, there's um, a really interesting program to bring uh, people with disabilities into uh, space travel because essentially a disability you have on Earth might not be a disability in space. And so there's a lot of really interesting discussion about how uh, physical differences can be. Uh, advantageous or or immaterial in in space travel, and so there's a lot of effort toward just improving access to space travel in all sorts of different ways. And I I think that's a really good and important uh, thing to consider. And and especially you know as we talked about, uh, part of the one of the big purposes of human spaceflight is inspiration. And so people need to see people they can relate to. Uh, in order, you know, to maximize that inspiration. So I do think it's important, you know, who is chosen. So true. Uh, Katie, it's honestly such a pleasure, such an honor every time that you gift us your time to come here on the show. And, and thanks for, I mean, your passion is contagious uh, it, with Artemis and everything else. People need to make sure that they follow you on Instagram and on Twitter at Astro Katie and check out AstroKatie.com where you can also order her book, learn more about the end of everything, astrophysically speaking, an astrophysicist, a cosmologist, an author, a pilot, uh, and a great friend of Real Talk. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you bet. You as well. How cool is that? Like, even her chalkboard behind her with, like, all the... <laughs> it is so cool. I'm like, that needs to be wallpaper. As soon as she logged in, I was like, oh, maybe we'll get a, a little lesson here. And <laughs> I uh, I was thinking during this, like, every kid dreams when they're younger sure. of going to space, right? Uh, and I remember when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's something I would do. But nowadays, like, have you tried a flight simulator for even just like flying an airplane? Like you can do them on Xbox and all the game consoles now. But I did one a couple of years ago and I was like, 
Wow. Because I thought I was a technical guy. I think I'll stick to behind the mix. You are a technical guy. It's like you're flying a plane every morning on this show. I like how she brought that up that, you know, astronauts, it's, it's another level. It's another level. And you have to pick those people who are not only, you know, calm under pressure, but can do those situational things, those checklists. Yeah. Because you make one wrong move. You flip one wrong button. It can lead to a series of events that just. Yeah. So anyways, I did a flight simulator and I realized, yeah, I could never be a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, like right out of the gates. And I, I really appreciate uh, we call it real talk. And I appreciate being corrected in interviews and people saying like, yeah, we don't really say that anymore. That's mm-hmm. not really. You know, I remember once someone saying and I knew it the minute it came out of my mouth, I was like, "Ooh!" I remember once saying something like someone was at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm. And I and I and right away, I was kind of like, I don't know if we say that anymore. And, and then someone wrote in and said, A, we don't really say that anymore. But then mm-hmm. pointed out they said, B. What most people don't know about totem poles is that the, the figure on the bottom oftentimes carries the most clout or has the most significance or the most importance. Uh-huh. So actually, the the phrase is off. Anyway, another yeah. one here. When when unmanned came out of my mouth, just in the split yeah. second, kind of right away. Well, it just kind of felt. I was kind of like, I wonder if. They, and then she goes, "I'm going to crack," and I knew right away, uncrewed, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there talking, I didn't want to get too off track on tangents. Because I wanted to learn about Artemis, and she's Katie's. Just we could talk to her for three hours, obviously. Mm-hmm. But even if you think of the the phrase "mankind," yeah, and then probably the most famous phrase invoking the word "mankind," which would be yeah. Neil Armstrong yeah. putting his boot print on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Of course, I hope I didn't butcher that. Right. It's just, yeah. Isn't yeah. it interesting? And then she talks about the women that were denied access to the program, deserving mm-hmm. women. It reminded me of that movie. Did you ever see that movie? Hidden Figures? I sure did. That was a great movie. Yeah. Hidden Figures is such a good film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's uh, women, in particular, women of color that that were marginalized, essentially frozen yeah. out. Uh, but behind the scenes. And it's a true story. Uh, played these mathematicians, these geniuses. Doing uh, all the calculations. Yeah. Just ha- playing a huge role in these space missions. Uh, if you haven't seen Hidden Figures, put that on your must-watch list for this weekend and check it out. I also like how she brought up the flag thing, because I, yeah. I've i always thought that way since I was younger, too. I was always like, countries are kind of like just imaginary lines. Like, if you kind of do away with those. Oh, we here feel, we go. No, I know. I'll get some comments. But I've always been like, you know, flags and, and imaginary lines. I didn't really get it ever since I was younger, too. So I like how she brought that up and was like, you know, I'm not really a fan of that either. The whole flag. We need to be more connected with everyone. Well, and, and, and it's too, it's different if it's because uh, I was, I, I, let me tell you, there are a lot of questions that end up on the cutting room floor that don't make it to the interview. And when she did roll her eyes at the flag, you know, I said, even as a Canadian for us, it was a person on the moon. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily the flag. And then she kind of rolled her eyes. You could see it. And I was glad she was willing to make that comment. I thought there might be room to explore a comparison with with Canada's claims in the Arctic, but I don't think so. Uh, Number one, because Canada does claim that and would fight for it. In other words, if there was Russian aggression in the Arctic and we've seen it and there's icebreakers up there and there's fly and we don't know all the stuff that's up there and NORAD and Mm -hmm. everything else and. Uh, but, but like it is on planet earth still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is significance <laughs> to it, whether it's going to ultimately one day be shipping routes or whether there's oil up there somewhere, whatever it is, the sovereignty and the security, yeah. there are global implications. Planting your flag on the moon, like somewhere else in the solar system is a little it's different. Like, yeah. Like if the Nobody Chinese or Israel, <laughs> uh, or like, you know, Russia or someone went up and planted their flag on Venus mm-hmm. and was like it's ours mm-hmm. 
<laughs> how would people respond? That's exactly. I, I put myself in those shoes. Like whenever I watch, like, because all the old like Apollo movies and everything, they're so great. And I'm like, this is a little, probably triggering for everyone outside of North America. A, a little when you see those images. But that's right? also part of the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like when Kennedy said we are going to go to the moon, it was about the United States getting there before the Russians. That 100%. was that was what it was about. Yeah. And it almost wasn't about going to the moon. It was like the moon was just the avenue yeah. uh, for the American. It was like the same as like you know a gold medal hockey game in the Olympics. Hundred percent. It's the same. It's just an avenue for people to be able to beat another country and then feel good about it for a while. But we've moved on. The, the, space exploration is a lot of collaboration now between countries, right? But I did like the little lessons she taught us today. You were talking about you know things. Things that you know you say, and then you're like, I I used to say spirit animal all the time. Too. Oh yeah, that's another one that not I preferred. stopped saying like three years ago because yeah. it's not really. Yeah, it, it I like it. We're always learning. We're yeah. always learning. Teach and it's, us. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to learn. Uh, and then that way you get the kids will still let you talk to them at the dinner table at the family gatherings, right? Mm-hmm. If you keep learning, Brenda on our live chat says, Jesper, what's on your shirt? Well, is it two hands forming a heart, Brenda? Thank you for asking. Sunday, September 11th is Be More Kind Day. This is uh, in honor and in tribute to the great Frank Turner, singer-songwriter, my pal Darren at Arcadia Brewing Company, established Be More Kind Day in our home city of Edmonton several years ago. It's a way to reach out to and support and be more kind to our fellow citizens, in particular the unhoused and people uh, marginalized oftentimes Uh, And for the most part, living in our city's downtown core. Be More Kind Day is an opportunity to throw some burgers on the grill, to hand out some fresh T-shirts like this one. I'm rocking right here. You can see this Be More Kind Day. We've got 500 of those hitting the T-shirt printing presses. A way to just share the love. A way to, yeah, be more kind kind and so here's the deal we are proud at real talk along with our partners at ronin consulting group to give you an opportunity to triple your donation today to the boyle street boyle street community services does unbelievable work in edmonton's city core and of course beyond thousands of people benefit from the amazing resources that they provide in otherwise very difficult circumstances. So if you go to boylestreet.org today or before Sunday, September 11th, and make a donation, make sure in the subject line of your donation you put be more kind. Okay? And when you do that, Real Talk and Ronan Consulting Group is going to match your donation up to $1,000. It's an opportunity to have your 20 bucks become 60 or your 100 become 300 We want to remind everybody of the importance of being more kind. And that comes in this sense on Sunday, September 11th. It's Be More Kind Day. You can make your donation today at boylestreet.org. Real Talk and Ronan Consulting Group, in partnership with Arcadia Brewing Company, will match it up to a grand. We talked money yesterday. Uh, The Alberta government announcing that they're expecting a 13 plus billion dollar surplus 13.2 billion they say the original estimate was 511 million so this is a dramatic increase based in large part for the most part to increased resource revenues uh, if you're 
trying to cut through the noise, as we say, with regards to the politics of how this surplus wound up to $13 billion, I recommend checking out a Twitter thread from economist Trevor Toom, who broke it all down yesterday uh, in a way that's really understandable and cuts right to the point. So you can follow Trevor on Twitter, and maybe we'll get him on the show next week or the next couple of weeks. It's, it's been a while. But I was talking about it with you yesterday, and I asked you on yesterday's episode, what would you do with an extra $13 billion? Alberta's government says it's going to use its budget surplus to pay off a bunch of debt. It'll direct a few billion. They say the finance minister, Jason Nixon, says it's the largest contribution ever to the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. And I asked if you think it's the wisest use of that windfall. And I wanted to get to some of the responses that you shared with us on Twitter. Bruce said, uh, you got to uh, account, he said, I would account for the $4 billion that I may have left in my other pair of pants. Of course, a great reference to the Alberta government's accounting around that COVID support. Gambit said, healthcare, healthcare, and then mm, healthcare. Hans said, I would fund healthcare, I would fund education, and I would invest in innovation in our oil and gas sector, make it more environmentally responsible. I'd stop focusing on internal party problems and stop rage farming hate against our federal government, that from Hans. Uh, MLA Marie Renaud, she's an opposition MLA out of the city of St. Albert, said, I'm appalled that they didn't reverse their cuts from a few years ago to AISH. That's the assured income for the severely handicapped, if you're living outside Alberta, uh, for income supports and for seniors' benefits. Uh, MLA Renaud says people are struggling to feed themselves and find safe places to live, and still this government pretends that everything is fine. The harm is real, and the harm is growing. Yuri says, I would take that $13 billion and subtract all of this government's spending gaffes to determine what the surplus, if any, actually is. He says a good place to start might be a billion and a half foolishly spent on the Keystone XL pipeline and some of the other loan guarantees that nobody in this government seems eager to talk about. Shara says, my school has four and a half Uh, education assistance this year we had seven when i started six years ago at one point they had as many as 10 so school staffing is a real priority for a lot of you joa said i'd love to see some of the money help municipalities with infrastructure costs new water sewer projects that can cost a fortune Uh, maybe some facility upgrades some road rehab and community revitalization Uh, joa wants to see a reinvestment obviously not just in the infrastructure but into the workforce as well a scrapper D wants to see reversed cuts to age income support seniors benefits and says we've also got to recruit more family doctors and Alberta's former energy minister Mark McQuaig Boyd who's been a great friend of this show chimed in as well she said they should be taken and keep in mind uh, this was her portfolio before not finance but energy okay so so you're talking to a former minister she says they should be taking in a total of uh around and she said they should take in a total of around 24 billion this year in royalties so they have some flexibility to pay debt restore some funding and invest in the heritage fund to which hillary replied what about h in all caps and i'm not making light of that people are advocates for those uh, on Asia, Asia recipient recipients are are, are really really uh, to be quite frankly under platformed uh, it's not talked about as much as it should be you can imagine trying to get by and I know that some audience members of this show are on Asia or do try to get by or are getting by on like $1,500 a month but it's unimaginable these days with the rental market where it's at with food prices where they're at uh, to say I feel your pain feels trite uh, Uh, But I'm glad to make that a part of this public conversation about what this $13 billion should go into. 
Halls uh, says, you know, many schools were cut. We cut teachers. Now we have classrooms bursting at the seams. Uh, she says, I have too many students, not enough computers for my tech class, and the computers we do have are quickly becoming outdated. You've had a day to think about it, Johnny, if you were the finance minister <laughs> or the premier. Uh, which one of these is you know resonating me. I'm, with I'm you? A, I'm a future guy. So, uh, like, I agree with people who are talking about education, uh, investing in green energy, anything that's, you know, and even saving a bit. You were talking about that yesterday. Like, do we... Do we have to blow the whole shebang? Like, well, Alberta you know took I mean? on a lot of, you know, they call it like the short-term debt. I mean, every province did. And, you know, the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, it's like it's not the sexiest thing to no. do <laughs> to put money in there. But then when you don't put money in there, like over the last 15 years, mm-hmm. then people say, well, the fuck didn't we put any money in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund? You mm-hmm. know, and then they'd use the Norway comparison and then experts' heads explode because they say that it's apples and oranges. But the point is... When you're high on the hog, like Alberta, like we don't forget that we were running deficits of almost the same size like a year ago, yeah. right? So we shouldn't forget these, are the, you know, as, as they say, strikes and gutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the strikes. Uh, but when you're throwing strikes, uh, what are you going to do with it? And what comes across as prudent is the word that I used yesterday. I think paying off a bit of debt is smart because uh-huh, for sure. debt service costs a lot out of budgets. Mm-hmm. I say as I'm rolling with a huge credit card balance in my personal life. <laughs> I think we all. <laughs> not huge, but you know what I mean. Bigger than it should be. But debt service, we all understand. That's keeping it real. Debt service is a real thing. And so, yeah, we should pay down debt. But also, yes, how do you not fund senior support? Someone on here, I don't have the comment in front of me, said something like, you know, we should we, more of this funding and support needs to go to the people that are surviving on the streets. Mm-hmm. How do you argue against that? So... We appreciate your comments. You can always send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. If, if you want to maybe spend some more time thinking about this and, and form your thoughts into an email, we invite you to do that over the weekend. And when we're back next Tuesday, the day after Labor Day, we'll be getting into some of what you have to say. Next week's going to have some barn burning shows. We're really looking forward to that. Trash Talk's coming up in just a second. First, you know, I love to imagine the types of audience members that'll draw into this show to watch somebody like astrophysicist Katie Matt. I bet you there's a lot of engineers watching today, maybe listening to the podcast for the first time. If you're dissatisfied where you're working, if you don't have that career fulfillment, if you know that you have potential that's not being reached, today's a perfect day to check out apexautomation.ca. You can check out what they do, automation, fabrication, engineering. They've got some amazing projects. They're constantly growing down into the United States. They're going to be taking on projects around the world, and that means they are always hiring. Their careers link is worth five minutes of your time at apexautomation.ca. Hey, friends, it's September 1st, and that means that it's 15% off all grocery purchases over $75 at the 16 Friesen Brothers locations across the province of Alberta. Yo, Hinton, we're coming for you. Whether you're in Fort Saskatchewan, like where John's often out, I mean, oftentimes people are talking about Fort Saskatchewan's pizza ovens. South Edmonton, how about the Friesen Brothers and some of the smaller communities that we don't show a lot of love to all the time, right? They all offering 15% off today only, the first of the month on grocery purchases over 75 bucks. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. I'm going to be hitting the road in my Dodge Ram 1500 Longhorn. The best part about it, well, I don't know if I have to pick, the climate controlled inside. John, they have the cooled leather seats. Nothing better than that. <laughs> you know, if we're going to keep it real on this show, you know, you're driving in hot temperature, you get that sweat behind your kneecap. You know what I'm talking about? 
about? It is the worst, but not when you have the comforts that come with Dodge's premium lineup. It's also got those step sides up and down like aircraft. Love that stuff. And of course, the crew cab, that means everybody's got the leg room they need. The Dodge Ram is Motor Trend's truck of the year for three years in a row for good reason. And you won't find a better deal on them or better selection than you will at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Our friends at Dairy Queen want to remind you that this is perfect weather to build a Dairy Queen cake. Maybe a blizzard cake? You can check it all out online at dqcakes.com or you can, of course, go see them in person at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. That's the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And, John, finally, let's get into our Twitter, our Twitter mentions. We got this cool one just the other day from a real talker. He's a Kubi Energy customer. He's got solar panels up on his roof. Uh, yeah. Check this out. I loved when, when real talkers share their real life experiences with us. This is the best. Terry Cordy says, literally, money from the sky. It's been a good solar power year. He shows us proof that he just got a refund for 550 bucks, and that's because his solar system installed by Kubi Energy is producing even more than they told him it would. Very cool stuff. Terry, one of the smartest decisions he says he's ever made. <laughs> KubiEnergy.ca today is where you can get your free quote. I always love seeing people write in. Real life people using their real names from their real email accounts or their mm -hmm. real Twitter accounts saying we're a customer of a business that supports Real Talk. You told us they would save us money and they're saving us money. That's awesome. Feels stuff. good. <laughs> you got big plans for the long weekend? Uh, I don't actually. Well, you know me. Summer's almost over. Events are almost over. I've been hustling oh, yeah. hard on the weekends. Got a uh, private party tomorrow. Then a. A wedding on Sunday at Alberta Beach. That should be nice. But then I'll, t I'll take the Monday to reset. Reset. Yeah. You know, burn some incense. You're going to have a little road trip with our yeah. friend uh, Andrew. Yeah. Andrew Walker and I are going to be heading out uh, to, to our annual. It's our 25th annual fantasy hockey Jeez. draft. Yeah. And I, I'm in an interesting position. Been doing it since you were 15. Yeah, exactly. And I was, uh, I, I've, I've, I'm the team, I'm the Buffalo Bills of the Fantasy Hockey League. <laughs> Um, I've been to the finals four times and I've lost four times. This is a keeper so league. Obviously. It's a keeper yeah. league. And so, so a while ago I said, I got to rebuild the team. And so I went really young. Right. So I got like Brady Kachuk, Matt Kachuk, Tim Stutzla. If you're a hockey fan, you know, these are great young players, Evan Bouchard, Tristan Jari. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I had a couple opportunities in the summer to just take the train off the tracks and get Sidney Crosby and Patrick Kane. And I'm like, I got to do it. So now all of a sudden I'm out there to win. I'm hungry to win my first cup. So we'll see how draft goes. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, Labor Day weekend. I know uh, for everybody that's uh, been celebrating getting the kids back to school, people that are that are maybe squeezing in a couple of final campfires before the end of the summer. We want to thank those of you that are taking Real Talk on the road, catching up on podcasts that you may have missed. When you do or when you're gathering with your friends over the Labor Day weekend, let them know which podcast you're listening to let them know they can subscribe on youtube or wherever they get their podcasts you have no idea how much that means to us and of course sign up for our real talk sunday message if you haven't already it's free of course it's a weekly email that i send out on sunday nights and i let you know maybe some of the highlights from the week that was and some of the highlights in the week to come plus other details about things we're excited to support like be more kind day Sunday September 11th again I want to remind you we're matching donations me uh, I, what I mean is our team
team at Real Talk and then my buddy, uh, Chad Fletcher, his team at Ronin Consulting Group. We're going to match donations up to a grand at boylestreet.org. Make sure when you make your donation, you mention Be More Kind. We wrap up every week here on Real Talk. Uh, Thanks to our friends at Local Environmental Services with an opportunity to blow off a little steam, to say here what you might not say elsewhere. These are real emails received to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's an exercise we call Trash Talk! All right, we got this one from Shelly who says, Ryan Jesperson, I have now watched Real Talk six or eight times. I thought you would be an honest, non-biased talk show. You are way too liberal for me. That's not why I want to listen to a fair, non-biased talk show. Number one, when you have Charles Adler on, who I used to listen to, talking about how Canada is not a dictatorship, I know you are very liberal. Also, Pierre Poliev comment, his regarding, you know, Freeland, where you say he made it all about himself, that was not insulting whatsoever. You have given that redneck in Grand Prairie attention that is way over the top. That is exactly what he wants, and you have just continued to fuel his arrogant, nasty video. Also, you have not admitted that this is not just an Alberta problem. It is a Canada problem. I suggest you be less biased. It's not what the average listener wants. Constant bias. I hope you have a great day, and I think about how you portray yourselves to your listeners, and maybe you should do the same. That from Shelley, who says, I love Canada, but not how our government is governing today. Shelly, thanks for your email. How about this one from Brian, who says, you know, after watching that last leadership debate, the main issue with the United Conservative Party's leadership race is that the so-called frontrunners sound to be, by a wide margin, the absolute craziest. He says this is clearly the GOP playbook from the states, the American Trump populist politics. It's not good for the party, and it's not good for Albertans. That from Brian. How about this one from Jody, who says, memo to Grand Prairie Mayor Jackie Clayton. If you're going to over and over again say that your city is a conservative city, then you're giving credence to the actions of that individual because he lives in a, quote, conservative city. She's talking about Elliot McDavid that accosted the deputy PM. Uh, Jody says, you are doing the quote our citizens don't agree with the federal government they hate trudeau they don't like freeland so i'm really sorry that happened but please remember we are a conservative city jody says that is utter bullshit and this one to wrap from robert who says here's some real talk i was born and raised in grand prairie is everybody up there an entitled wannabe tough guy that couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag driving around in their jacked up dually pickup He says, people not from there should also know that Dimsdale is not a place. It's a mistake on a map. If you drive to Dimsdale, all you will find is diesel and disappointment. To Mr. McDavid of Dimsdale, first of all, consider a name change. The McDavid's don't you tarnishing their glorious family name. I know all of the McDavid's up there are ashamed of you, including your own mom. Oh, boy. Stop tarnishing the names of the good people of my hometown. We are ashamed of you. Either do yourself a favor and send off for an ancestry DNA test, find out where your ancestors came from, and to borrow a phrase from you and your self-entitled prick friends, go back to where you came from. Peace out. That from Robert. You can send your trash talks into talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's better for your blood pressure if I vent on your behalf. This is presented every Thursday or Friday, if that's the last day of our week, by local environmental services. We're off Friday. We're off Monday. Back live Tuesday, just after Labor Day. We can't wait to catch up with you then. Thanks for making Real Talk part of your routine. Peace.
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.